Welcome, everybody. I'm Kyle Hines, and I'll be hosting the Players Podcast, a GTM family production in partnership with the EuroLeague Players Association. I will be having in-depth conversations with current and former EuroLeague players about important topics that many athletes face on and off the basketball court. Stay tuned for more episodes. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a special episode of the Players Podcast presented by the EuroLeague Players Association. Today, we have a very special guest, you know, one of the legendary figures um, of college basketball and also, you know, NBA basketball, one of my, you know, favorite players, you know, growing up watching. Um, he's an NBA All-Star. Um, he's an All-NBAer, um, Olympic medalist, um, Final Four participant um, with Ohio State, and that is the great Michael Red. Michael, thank you. Thank you for taking the time for jumping on the podcast with us today. It's an absolute honor, and uh, thank you for that, that intro. Um, really appreciate you having me on. Great, man. Uh, now, the, I want to jump off first about the, the present time. Um, how, how are you feeling right now about your Milwaukee Bucks, um, you know, the run that they're making right now in the playoffs? And, um, I mean, I'm sure you have to be proud about the organization, about, you know, everything that's been, uh, you know, how they've been playing recently. Super proud just really proud of, of, of the process um, of the team. And uh, they are, they are primed. Uh, I, I, in my opinion, to win it all this year. Um, still a huge fan of, of the organization and still connected to the organization. Um, and uh, just really, 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 really excited about the opportunity of, uh, of actually winning a championship this year. They're doing great. How is it seeing the development of Giannis after the combo? Um, for me, I, I seen him back when he was, you know, an unheralded kid in the, the second or third division in Greece. Um, and to see, you know, his, you know, how he has development and his, you know, how he's been playing and how he's kind of, you know, take on the lead of that organization. Um, can you speak a little bit about him? Yeah, I, I was just up there about a month and a half ago, and uh, I just told him I was so proud of him. I've been knowing him since his rookie year. Mm -hmm. uh, when I when I actually my the night of my retirement ceremony, uh, it was he was there as a rookie, mm -hmm. and uh, and so you know watching his growth and development has been remarkable. His work ethic, his drive to be great, his drive to win a championship, um, his talents and, and skill sets are so unique. Um, he is, he is, he is, he's been incredible. And I think it's a testament to his family, but also his work ethic. Um, there's a lot of guys that have skill sets and, and, and really talented, but don't grind as, as much as they probably should. Um, he has taken his talents to another level because of the ability to work hard. And uh, I so respect him for that. To, to me, what makes him even more special, like I said, I know him and I know his family personally, um, is that he is humble. Um, you know, talking to him and even just, you know, having conversation with him. I remember I used to tell him before, you know, this is maybe three, four years ago before he got the MVP. I was like, man, you don't even realize who you are. Because a lot of times his conversation, the way he carries himself, his demeanor, like he doesn't have that like superstar kind of like attitude demeanor. And I think that's what makes him so special. And that's why... Um, you know, for me, I'm just happy that he's getting all the success and everything that, um, you know, that he's getting now because I think he absolutely deserves it. 
No, I agree. I agree. I, I think he's he's still with everything. I think the thing we have to distinguish is achievement versus success. Mm-hmm. And he's achieved a lot. Um, but I think there's more mountains to climb for him, obviously, and that keeps him driven. Um, you're right. Incredibly humble. One of the nicest people you want to meet. Um, incredible family background. Um, so, yeah, no, he, he's 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 the epitome of what a superstar in NBA uh, is. Absolutely. Now we I want to go back, go back all the way back to the year 2000, um, the night that you were drafted. You end up being a second round draft pick. Um, what did draft night mean to you and your family? And was it, you know, was it a disappointment that you were a second round pick versus being a first round pick after, like I said, we talked about before you had, you know, such a great college career, you know, making the final four. Um, did you have a sense of disappointment at all? Or were you just more just, you know, just happy that you were, that you were just drafted, had the opportunity to be drafted? No, I was disappointed. I was disappointed for about maybe five minutes to 10 minutes um, because I want to be a number one pick. I want to be a top pick in the draft. I want to win the first round and it didn't happen because of the standard I have for myself and, and the goals I have. But ultimately uh, it was the glass half full mm-hmm. because I got drafted. I mean, there's so many guys around the world who, who pray and wish they could get drafted. You know, at the end of the day, I, I, I looked at it and said, I'm in, mm-hmm. I'm in. So all I needed was a, a crack in the door uh, to get in to, to prove that I belong. So my mentality was, hey, I, I got drafted. I have an opportunity. Uh, take advantage of it more than, more than uh, be totally disappointed by the fact that I got drafted in the second round. You, you came in as a rookie and you basically had the opportunity to learn from Ray Allen, which everybody talks about, you know, his work ethic. And this is something I'm going to pinpoint and I want to talk about a little bit later when we talk about the things that you're doing now. But how important was it to have Ray Allen, you know, as I guess you could say as a mentor um, coming in as your first year as a rookie? Extremely important. I think having veterans on a, on a squad can really help shape your career. Mm-hmm. And we had great veterans on the team at the time, Urban Johnson, Lindsey Hunter, obviously Ray Allen, um, guys like that who really had a major impact on my career, uh, even off the court. And so having Ray, uh, um, who was one of the top two guards in the, in the history of the league, mm-hmm. be your mentor and, and, and big brother, it was a huge advantage for my career. I didn't play a lot my rookie year, but it was one of the best years of my life because I had a, a time to develop and to grow and to study and to learn and to learn and grow. Mm-hmm. So I, I was really being incubated by not only a great teammate in Ray, but also a great coach at George Carl yeah. and a great organization. So uh, my, my thing was to be the best towel waiver I could be <laughs> for the team. And, uh, and, 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 and support them in practice every day and, and be the first one to be there and be the last one to leave and, you know, it, it absorb as much as I could. Where, where does that mentality come from? Because you just said it before, a lot of times I feel like with, with harps or what makes a lot of players' lives difficult when they first come into a league or they first come into any situation, um, is that they don't embrace your role, but you just said it right there. Like you said, you you knew or 
you knew that you were playing behind, you know, some great veteran players. You were like, listen, I'm going to learn as much as I, I possibly can. I'm going to be the best towel waiver I possibly can. I'm going to be the best supporter player. Where does that mentality come from? Because not everybody has that mentality. I think it comes from my family dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, raised in a two-parent household, son of a pastor, um, and all of those characteristics that come with that. And was really, really blessed and fortunate to be raised by incredible parents. Um, I think there's something to be said about enjoying the journey. Yeah. And we live in a culture where we want instant gratification. Mm-hmm. We want it now. We want success now. We want to play now. We want the accolades now. And for me, it was it was the journey that made the achievements all the more gratifying. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing was given. Um, I had to work and work and work and and and, and continue to work. Um, so it made me appreciate where I eventually wound up being within the organization because of the journey. Mm-hmm. And um, I really embraced the journey. I embraced my role, to your point. Um, at the end of the day, I was like, I'm in the NBA. I, 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 I've got to absorb this moment um, and take advantage of it as best I can or I could be out. You know, and back in those days, you had CBA. You didn't even have the G League mm-hmm. uh, as an option. So it was either be in the league or be out of the league. And there was a sense of desperation. There was a sense of hunger. That w- that didn't derive from the situation, but it derived from inner drive yeah. and inner grit. And, and so determination that I've, I always, I always believed in myself. I always believed that I could be the best player in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't have that, it's, it's going to be hard to, to find success. During your, uh, during your first season, um, did you have like a fan moment, you know, almost like, you know, that, did you obviously you talk about it or even in your first or second season? Because like you said before, you didn't really play as many games. I think you said you played maybe six games or something like that. But either your first or second season, did you have a fan moment or somebody that you, you know, guarded against that, you know, like you said, you really just became, you were somebody that you idolized growing up or something like that. And you was like, you realized the first time was like, oh man, like I'm really guarding, you know, such and such, or I'm really defending such and such. Did you have that specific player during those times? I do. I do. I, I remember, you know, playing against the Miami Heat and Eddie Jones was mm-hmm. playing for the Miami Heat and I was always a huge fan of Eddie Jones and his game and and and, and every game was like fandom for me. Uh, and just being in the NBA and seeing all these great players that you looked up to while in college or in high school and now you're actually there. And then I remember Allen Houston, uh, the great shooting guard at the New York Knicks, you know, taking a liking to me. Uh, and I wasn't even playing, mm-hmm. um, but we met, we met in, in chapel and as NBA players, we're fans of the college game mm-hmm. and we're aware of who's coming into the NBA. So, you know, um, Alan Houston took a liking to me and really became a big mentor of mine um, throughout my career. Uh, but I remember my rookie year, I'm saying Alan Houston is coming up to me, um, encouraging me. And that was a big deal to me. So, uh, you know, it was, it was surreal my rookie year seeing all the great players being around them. Uh, and then finally my, the next year I start playing against them. Uh, you, you talked about it the next year. So you, your first year you went to average, you know, 2.2 points a game and then you averaged 11 points a game your next year. 
the common theme for me looking at, you know, the statistics and also looking at your career is that for the most part, every year you improved. Um, you know, what do you attribute to that? And, you know, one of the questions I also have kind of a piggyback off that, and you mentioned a little bit before, but, you know, not playing your rookie year, were there moments where you had disappointment? Were there moments where you, you felt negative? And if you did, you know, what kept you moving? What kept you, you know, determined? What kept you, you know, positive? You know, because I'm sure it wasn't easy, you know, every day, um, you know, coming to a games or coming to an arena, you know, knowing you're not playing. So, you know, what in those times of, you know, I guess you could say that you, you know, negative thoughts, you know, what kept you going? What kept you determined? I think my faith in Christ, mm -hmm. uh, I'd be remiss in not mentioning my faith. It played a huge part um, in keep pressing on. Mm -hmm. um, and then I had a great support system of friends around me that were encouraging. Um, and, 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 you know, I had my father there encouraging me, but ultimately it was, it was, I think vision. Mm -hmm. I think vision was the big driver for me. You know, there was a vision hanging over my head. Um, if that makes sense of like, if this is what you want to become and want to achieve, this is part of the journey, right? Mm -hmm. So I never lost focus of the goal or the vision I had of what I wanted to become an NBA. And that was, that was the driving factor of keep pressing on, keep pressing through. My coaches were very encouraging. Management was very encouraging, um, through the whole process of believing in me and, um, so all of that combined helped me get through some tough times of like, man, I wish I could play. And you're seeing guys that are drafted ahead of you playing and, you know, but, but my mom always told me the cream rises to the top mm -hmm. and, you know, perseverance is something um, that kind of propelled me. Now I want to ask you about, we want to jump forward to 2004. Um, you know, once you got to the all-star game and you got your all-star game nomination, first of all, what was that experience like? And then as a, you know, second round, you know, draft pick, you know, did that kind of give you a sort of validation, you know, you know, in your career up to that point? It was one of the, one of the great, um, being a, a late second round pick to being an all-star, um, that was a four year span in between. And yeah. so, uh, or three and a half year span. And, uh, uh, it, it, it was, it was, it was an incredible moment with my family. Um, and it just pays where hard work pays off mm -hmm. and it was certainly validating. And it was, it was a moment that I'll never forget. Um, I didn't know what was going to happen when it, when all-star time came around, but I knew we were winning and I was having some success. And, and so our GM comes up to me and says, Hey, you made the all-star team. I was like, what, <laughs> uh, what an incredible feeling. Like, so from being almost out of the NBA or not drafted to being an all-star was, was, uh, a testament to, to my faith, obviously in Christ. And, and then also just all the hours and hours of, of working on my craft, it, it paid off. Now, another important moment in your career we want I want to talk about and, and highlight, especially now because, you know, I'll be coming is, is going to be an Olympic year. And I want to talk more about the, the 2008, you know, redeemed team of the, you know, the Olympics. Yeah. Now, first off, and I had to be, I guess, say much like 
um, you know, when you got your all-star game nomination and most like, you know, being drafted, when you first had the opportunity, you know, that you knew that you could have the opportunity to represent the U.S. and be a part of the team whose, whose basically goal was to bring back the, the, the gold medal to the United States, you know, what were your feelings when you first got the call, you know, to be part of that team? Uh, to be honest with you, overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just 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 really, really, really emotional at the time because, wow, you, you go from, again, being a guy that barely made the NBA, in a sense, to being one of the best players in the world yeah. and on the Olympic team. And uh, the whole experience was surreal. But getting the call from Jerry Colangelo um, – was was absolutely a dream come true. Um, you watched the dream team growing up, uh, all the dream teams that preceded, you know, our team, and and saying one day I would love to be on that stage and represent our country and 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 win a gold medal. And and so it was a surreal, surreal moment to be invited on the team, um, and then let alone to go to the Olympics, and then let alone to win a gold medal. Um, by far, was the great greatest achievement of my career. Um, being on that team, I learned so much. All the great players that were on that team, and the chance to get better as a basketball player um, each summer. Um, our process was different than other teams because we had a three-year process. Yeah. Um, before we even played in the Olympics, of chemistry, cohesion, spending time together. Um, so, so our experience was 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 uh, unique, but we, it, it was an incredible process and, and, and got better. I just enjoyed being around greatness. Um, I enjoyed, you know, obviously having the chance to play in the Olympics, but I enjoyed playing around the greatest players in the world every single day. Mm-hmm. How did they approach the game? How do they think the game? What's their perspective? You know, and so I just soaked it all in. And uh, we obviously had all, all-time great coach and Coach K and the whole setup was primed for us to win the gold medal. And, and, and again, it was, it was the greatest achievement of my athletic career. So I, I heard a story um, about you and, um, you know, I was asking somebody and they, they told me about this story um, about, you know, when you were doing the interview process with, uh, with Mr. Mr. Colangelo, Mr. Jerry Colangelo, um, that you, uh, that you changed from a sweatsuit um, into an actual suit. Um, and for me, that, that just shows that the type of professionalism and type of, uh, you know, how seriousness that you took, um, you know, being the opportunity to, you know, be a part of this uh, Olympic team, Olympic journey. But I just want to hear from you, you know, is the story true? And then why did you decide to, to do that? Yeah, the story is true. Um, I felt it was appropriate for the moment. Uh, it was appropriate for who was interviewing me um, about the opportunity. Uh, and I just wanted to give the moment and, and, and the opportunity, the respect and reverence that it deserved. Um, for me, uh, that's how I was raised. I wanted to treat it as if it was a business meeting. Yeah. And so for me, I didn't feel right being in sweats. I had practiced earlier that day and I had my Nike sweats on or what have you. And uh, I just felt like I wanted to, to take the approach a little bit more serious than, than casual and uh, give him the honor and the, and the opportunity to be on the team, the honor of changing to a suit. Now, you know, we, most of our audience, or I think the majority of our audience is an international basketball fan. So, you know, what did you know about international basketball, um, you know, prior to going to the Olympics? Because, um, you know, many Americans, you know, we're only, you know, focused on the NBA or only focused on, you know, what things are at home. 
and not necessarily focus on, you know, the, the talent that is abroad. Um, and then, you know, playing internationally during the Olympics, was there any like specific players that surprised you? Um, you know, somebody that you were like, wow, who's that? Or I never even knew, you know, didn't even know who that was. Yeah, I wasn't surprised. Uh, very familiar with the international game. I, in fact, in college, I played the World University Games mm -hmm. um, where we won a gold medal as well. Um, and then before that, my freshman year, I went overseas to in Greece and played for the uh, U.S. team. Uh, so very familiar with the, the, the style of play, um, the ball, the players. Um, so it wasn't foreign to, to me at all. And most of the guys that played on the Olympic team had played in the U.S. Yeah. farm system. Yeah. coming up so we were all privy somewhat to to uh the international game now what was the 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 olympic experience like you know being in the olympic village you know being around other athletes you know walking into like that opening ceremony um you know can you just describe what that what that feeling what that what that uh like that whole entire experience is like so i can ensure i mean it, it had to be you know great to see so many great athletes from you know all over the world um, you know, all in just one venue. Yeah, we were fans. We were absolute fans of all the great athletes. Um, we enjoyed our time in Olympic Village. Um, the experience was so great. I mean, you have 10,000 of, of the greatest athletes in the world mm -hmm. uh, in women's space. And it was a treat. It was a joy to meet different cultures, different people from different cultures, different regions of the world and, and, and hear their stories as well. Um, it was it was remarkable um, to see the level of sacrifice and hard work that all these athletes have put into for a day or two, uh, for for a week or two, and it was just an incredible experience um, experiencing Olympic Village. And we were all fans of each other, yeah. so that was the beauty of it. No one had egos beyond, you know, who was in that, that village, and it was just an incredible experience of being all the great athletes. And you know the last question. And I, had, I will, I will say we all, we all ate McDonald's. Yeah, that's what I heard. <laughs> I had, I was, I, I was actually talking to, oh, I can't remember. It was either Sasha Khan or, or Andre Karolinko. I can't remember. Um, and they were telling me how they were just, you know, in the Olympic Village, and they just walked by, and it was like, you know, Kobe Bryant and a bunch of you guys just sitting in the Olympic Village eating McDonald's, <laughs> and they were like, this is like unreal. <laughs> Think about when you eat clean for a living yeah but it was just part of the part of part of the, the experience and uh you know obviously everybody's leaned out and, and the bodies are ready you know after four years of training and yeah. you know but it was good to take a break you know and and eat some mcdonald's so we all had that in common uh roger federer uh nadal i mean all the great tennis players and athletes michael phelps all the great athletes serena and venus williams and everybody was there and it was just such an incredible experience. We all were just eating McDonald's, hanging out. <laughs> it was cool. It was really cool. Shout out to McDonald's for, for providing that. Now I want to know also, you know, the moment when you're, you, you're being awarded the gold medal and the national anthem is playing, you know, what is that feeling like? Because not too many people, you know, on this planet, have the opportunity to have that feeling. So to you, like you know, the Star Spangled, the Star Spangled Banner's playing, you know, the flag is draping. What is that? What is that feeling? And what is that emotion like for you? It was it was surreal. It was unbelievable. It was a, it was an emotional moment for all of us. You know, a lot of us are crying, uh, emotional over the experience. And I think again, the journey made the moment all the more special. 
Mm-hmm. And, and so we had been through a lot over the last two years to get to that moment. Um, but it was, it was a lot of pride, you know, representing your country, knowing that you're the best team in the world. Um, literally, it was, it was unbelievable. And I think all of us will say to a man that it was a bond that we all have to this day from that experience. Now I want to jump forward a little bit um, to January 25th, 2009. Um, you, you tear up your knee pretty bad. Um, you know, have the, the you know, MCL and the ACL um, tears all within like, I think of a year span, if I'm correct. Um, you know, most athletes or most people and a lot of people probably wouldn't, you know, would have thought it was okay if you were just like, listen, I'm retired, I'm done, I'm, I'm quitting. You know, what made you want to fight through and what made you, you know, want to continue to, you know, to speed through those injuries, those injuries, which are, you know, in many cases, career ending injuries, you know, what, you know, gave you that motivation, that determination to continue on? I don't know. I think, I think it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, a gift uh, that I have to persevere through anything, mm-hmm. um, to fight back to get back up off the ground once you've been knocked down. Um, a never surrender attitude that I, that I have. So, um, you know, for me, it wasn't insurmountable. Yes, challenging, um, but, but not insurmountable. And I wanted to come back and prove, not to people, but to myself, mm-hmm. that I could come back and, and do something that rarely has ever been done, to come back from two ACLs um, to the knee, come back and play and, and actually have – success doing it so um it was it was it was it was a it was a it was a tough stretch because you go from the pinnacle of your career yeah to now one of the lows of your career right and so there's a greater good that came about from it but but it was certainly a challenge um while going through it but to come back and play my last year in phoenix and have great games and have some success and it, it was it was it was it was something that I could, I'll never ever forget, and also, more importantly, I think passed down to my kids mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. That no matter what you go through, you can you can overcome and bounce back. What was that that moment, um, the day or the game, or knowing that you're playing your first game, you know, with the Suns, you know, after coming back of that injury? You know, what was that moment? Because you had I'm, I'm, you had experienced so many highs and so many, you know incredible accomplishments up to that point in your career but what was that moment like that day or that you know when you got in that game you know what were you feeling during that yeah I came back and played the last 10 seasons with the Bucks, yeah. and then uh there was a thought of me potentially retiring and then I said no I want to play uh one more season at least and and, and so I wound up signing with Phoenix my last year um but coming back was like wow I think it was one of the greatest achievements of my career Mm-hmm. Uh, to come back from those injuries and and, and to play. So um, most thought I would never play again. So to come back and, 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 and to do that was just a feat all of it within itself. And then also play well beyond that and play a whole season and stay healthy. Um, to me, it's one of the great achievements of my, of my career. Now, before we go into the, um, I guess you can say the second part of this interview, I want to ask you about another important um you know, important, I guess you can say, achievement um, that you had, and that is the delivering the 2020 commencement speech at Ohio State. I know a lot of guys that went to Ohio State. Um, I understand the brotherhood that you guys have there. 
Um, and I just want to know, you know, as a Ohio, as an Ohio native, as a Columbus native, you know, what was, you know, that moment like for you? And, you know, I love the quote that you said, you know, said, I'm, I'm bigger than a basketball player. And I think that was kind of the message that you, that you were trying to convey, but, you know, what was that, that, that moment like for you in, in your life? Unbelievable. Unbelievable to grow, have grown up 10 minutes away from the university to now giving the commencement speech. It was, it was unbelievable. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's again, one of the great achievements of my life uh, to be able to go back uh, and to give back uh, to the school that's given me so much um, to be trusted. World changers was amazing. Yeah. So, um, you know, I had to remind myself that I'm built for the moment because the moment can almost overtake you, mm -hmm. you know, being able to, to bear the weight and the responsibility of sharing words that may help shape the next generation. And so, um, when the opportunity came my way, I was completely you know, overwhelmed, like, wow, really? But at the same time, like, okay, you're built for this moment. Uh, speak from the heart. I didn't have a teleprompter. I didn't have any words in front of me. I just shared from the heart. Wow. And, uh, and, uh, uh, it was a moment that I'll, I'll never forget. I was nervous. Yeah. I was nervous. Um, but, uh, but it was, it was, it, it, it was a tremendous honor for me to do that. Now I want to jump into, um, 22 ventures and your venture capital, um, you know, career, um, a little bit. Now I'm sure, you know, being an athlete, you were probably presented with a number of different opportunities, number of different sectors or industries that you can go into. You know, why did you choose the venture capital and the tech space to, you know, to kind of, you know, throw yourself into, you know, once, you know, basketball was over? Yeah, I was always intrigued. You know, the narrative for, for so long is how much NBA athletes make. Yeah. Um, but the narrative is rarely on who pays them. Yeah. And I was always intrigued with, <laughs> with, the, with the guys who wrote the checks more than the guys who made the checks. Uh, right. That's the right so, question. <laughs> I begin to cover, hey, venture capital, private equity, hedge funds, uh, you know, alternative investments, like learning that whole world. And so for me, um, I wanted to get into that world. And, and, and I think for me at the core of it, it was to help people, mm -hmm. help people. So um, I, I'm intrigued with entrepreneur stories. You know, their stories are similar to mine, taking risks on yourself, making bets on yourself, believing in yourself. And so those are the things that I was drawn to um, as well as getting access to, to, you know, real capital mm -hmm. and how can I get the opportunity to pour back into my community, um, and also help platform and give access to, uh, other incredible and talented creative people. So that's the, that, that's the summation of it, uh, high level of it. But to me, it, I was totally intrigued with business and intrigued with the opportunity of, uh, of getting access to those opportunities. Now, when you were playing, um, you know, it, there was a time before where, you know, these opportunities weren't necessarily available to athletes. Now, um, you know, I'm guessing, not guessing, but now it's becoming more popular. It's becoming more trend of a trend that, you know, you see guys like Kevin Durant or LeBron James or Stephen Curry or Draymond Green or, or Carmelo Anthony that are in the VC space. But I'm curious to know, you know, even then, you know, was this something that guys were talking about in locker rooms? Wasn't wasn't the conversation of investing, you know, coming up in locker rooms while you were playing? Or is it just something that is like, like I said, is now becoming more popular and more of a trend? 
You there, Kyle? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Okay, yeah. Um, I couldn't hear you. I'm sorry about that. Oh, no problem. Uh, hold on one second, Kyle. Okay. Yeah. You got space, man? Yeah. Sorry about that, Kyle. No, that's no problem. Um, yeah, I think for me, um, you know, we all, you know, have seen a transition in the last 10 years of, of you know, guys understanding their influence mm -hmm. and owning their influence. And so for me, it was a matter of, okay, how does my brand extend beyond the game of basketball? Mm -hmm. Ownership mm -hmm. at the end of the day. So beyond taking an endorsement deal, I'd rather have equity. Mm -hmm. Um within your company, um, to grow it, to scale it. Um, I want, I want a piece of it, you know, mm -hmm. more so than, than an endorsement check. And I think that shift happened through social media over the last 10 plus years. Um, guys begin to understand the gravity of their, of the, of the leverage. Um, and so for me, you know, being in a locker room 15 years ago, 12 years ago, um, there wasn't that much talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was always important to me to, 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 not let basketball be your identity. Yeah. Right. So if basketball becomes your identity, you become limited in what you be, what you can do in life. You limit yourself. And yeah. so for me, identity was important. Um, both what was what I did, but it wasn't who I was. At some point it was going to end. So I had to begin to diversify my mind, my paradigm, and begin to think beyond the game. Although I was in the game and perfecting my game, um, there was still thought of doing other things beyond my career. So 22 Ventures, what is your guys' overall mission? Um, you know, I love the quote that you said, we invest in, in people to grow companies. So, you know, what is, what is that? Can you expand on that a little bit more? Repeat it one more time. I'm sorry. I said, I said 22 Ventures, um, you know, is the, 22 Ventures, you know, is what you what you started and what, and what you founded is your kind of your VC arm. Um, what is your overall mission? You know, what type of companies, what type of investments are you guys making? And I love the quote that you, um, you know, it's kind of a tagline um, that we're investing in people. We invest in people to grow companies. Can you expand on that a little bit more? Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Uh, we, we invest in people to grow companies is, is our thing. So you know, in summation, overall theme is we look to acquire companies, uh, e-commerce companies, direct-to-consumer companies, um, companies that have a ton of growth opportunity, mm -hmm. um, help scale, help scale them, um, but all the while putting people in position of ownership mm -hmm. or, 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 or leadership within the company. So we transition the teams out. Um, once we acquire the companies and, and put qualified, uh, credible people in position uh, of color, minorities, women, in position uh, of leadership within these companies. So it's been a fun journey. Uh, I'm enjoying it. But at the core of all of it is that we're helping people at yeah. the end of the day. So, um, yeah, that's just one aspect. And then there's another aspect of where I've done angel investing and, mm -hmm. and I've been a part of uh, some incredible venture funds along the way. Um, so yeah, 
um, we have our hand in, in a number of things and uh, was able to be a mentor in Snapchat's accelerator program in California, yellow program, mentoring, again, helping um, young, inspiring founders and CEOs. That's all I was going to ask. So next, my next question, is there a deal or a company that you've been associated with that you're most proud of, um, you know, throughout the, you know, your angel investing and also VC, you know, VC career? There's a lot of them. Um, you know, the funds I've been a part of, um, uh, it's been exciting. Um, one I'm a part of now uh, is called Advantage. Mm -hmm. um, and we're really, really, really tapped into the sports tech world. Um, so that's near and dear to my home, my heart. Mm -hmm. As a former athlete, I, I, I'm really, really impressed with how technology is elongating the careers of players. Um, recovery, technology, preventative technologies, uh, the advancement of virtual reality, um, different platforms like that. So yeah, there's there's companies within that fund that I'm really, really proud of. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's a number of companies. Hello Giggles, I was a part of that mm -hmm. um, acquisition by Time Inc, mm -hmm. um, digital platform. Um, so yeah, there's there's a number of companies I'm proud of. And then also there's, there's a lot of losses too, right? In venture. So you learn that very quickly. Um, that venture is really about layups and three-pointers. Yeah. Um, go big or go home type of mentality, right? Yeah. So swing for the fences mentality. So there's losses in venture, but if you can find one or two or three companies that can be unicorns for you, 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 you you'll be good. Um, so yeah, I've learned so much from so many credible people over the years. I think that's been um, a big plus for my journey. Now, at now, especially now, because it's becoming a little more popular, um, athletes are probably getting presented deals left and right, you know, all the time now. So what would your tips be, you know, as an athlete, um, how to vet deals? Um, you know, what is the best way for them to vet, vet a deal to know, you know, what's a good deal or what's a bad deal or what's the deal that they should be interested in or, or what's a deal that, you know, they shouldn't be interested in? I think having... I think having a, a great team around you to help you vet. Mm -hmm. um, most of the times, athletes are not immersed in the world of business. Yeah. And uh, they're going off their gut feeling and they don't have, you know, a criteria of source to what to look for in companies. Um, but for me, I, I'm always intrigued with the founder. Um, I, I believe in investing in people more than even the product. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I try to spend a lot of time around the founders and the team. Um, execution is everything, mm -hmm. right? So it's important to have the right team. There's a lot of great products and potential in products, but at the end of the day, it's the team um, that can help bring execution. So that's one of the things I look for. There's a number of other things as well, but um, I'm a people person. Yeah. And uh, I'm getting my hair cut as we do this podcast. So, <laughs> so if you see me in a barber chair, <laughs> I already told you, man. I said you were busy, yeah. man. You got a lot of things going yeah, on. Parts. <laughs> yes, 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 man. So sorry for the for the interruption, but uh, that's, cool. <laughs> that's one of the things I look for, man. Uh, product market fit, obviously. What problem are you solving? Mm -hmm. um, you know, and and so those are some of the things I look for as well. The last couple of questions I have for you, um, you know athletes, young players that looking to get more involved in the tech space or, you know, the VC space, um, 
but they want to know where they should start. You know, what tips would you give them, or what what would, what would you recommend, and what direction would you point them in? You know, how to get you know started in this in this. Uh, yeah, I think find credible people to learn from. Mm -hmm. um, because you're senior in one space doesn't mean that you're senior in another space. Mm -hmm. And that was the transition for me, at least, where I was senior at knowing about basketball and I was very junior level at knowing anything about economics or venture or private equity or what have you. So for me, I, I, I want to surround myself around the best um, people in, 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 in venture. Yeah. Um, and so learn from them. I'm still a novice, still learning a lot. Uh, but I think it's healthy to be a novice for the rest of your career. Mm -hmm. Always being curious, always learning, always trying to grow. But for me, I think surrounding yourself around credible people who did it at a high level. Yeah. So you can learn what not to do as much as you should learn on what to do. I mean, that makes perfect sense. That's great advice. And just out of curiosity, you know, when you first started, um, did you have any people that didn't take you serious because they only looked at you as Michael Red, the basketball player, um, and not Michael sure. the tech? And then how do you kind of, you know, as athletes, how do we kind of, you know, take away that that notion like, you know, we're just just athletes, you know, that we, we can't be more than that. Because I mean, I think you're a prime that's how they, more that you could be way more than that. You can succeed and even more than, than just on the basketball court. I think you I think you thank you for saying that. Um, I think sometimes it's out of your control mm -hmm. of how people perceive you. You just got to continue to be diligent and vigilant at studying your space mm -hmm. because after a while people will begin to hear your intellectual capital and say oh okay the conversation shifts from great basketball player to actual business conversations and and so you know that's something you can't force it just has to happen organically um i think trying to prove uh where you are is, is, is not necessarily a good thing. I think just being authentic and being organic and keep doing what you're doing and it, people will be drawn to it. And then all of a sudden your language, your verbiage, how you communicate will begin to morph into what you study. Mm -hmm. and, and so that will come across organically when, when, when you're in front of people who are in business. If that makes sense. That makes perfect sense, man. Well, I just want to, that's all I got for you, man. I just want to say thank you for, you know, the opportunity um, you know, to, to get on the podcast and, and, and to spread your knowledge and to spread your, your wisdom, you know, to all the, all the listeners. Um, like I said, I mean, you're, you're somebody who I, I truly respect, um, you know, not only for what you did on the basketball court, but, you know, for the person that you are off the basketball court um, and the things that you, you know, you accomplished and the success that you have. And I think you're, you're a constant role model, um, you know, for all of us and a, a perfect example for all athletes, you know, across the world. Um, so I guess, like, again, man, I just want to say thank you for taking the time. Oh, it was a pleasure, man. And congratulations on the cast and what you're doing, man. And uh, I look forward to staying connected with you, my brother. Definitely, definitely, for sure. Do that, man. All right. Take thank care. Thank you for having me. All right. Anytime. Okay, buddy.